Welcome back to another episode of Poison for Profit. I'm Nick. And I'm Zach. And we're coming back at you. It's uh, January 12th with some amazing new stories, some updates, uh, some really interesting stuff for you guys to be listening to. These are some big hitters, Nick. We got some, uh, some what I think are landmark articles here. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, some um, big news is definitely on the horizon i would say with a lot of these <laughs> uh yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a great episode so buckle glad in. That you are all jo- are joining us yep buckle in <laughs> <laughs> here we go going to get get started with an update that we've uh, been promising you guys in previous up episodes uh this one is with the burlington uh school that had found pcbs in their high school and they were suing monsanto over these high levels of pcbs uh so this is just a quick update uh basically the school district wanted to tear down the school the old high school that had these high levels of pcbs Monsanto went to the judge and had said, do not tear down the school. That is the evidence. And of course, what would, uh, well, Monsanto, Bayer, same thing at this point, but in typical Monsanto, Bayer fashion, they're of course blaming someone else. They're saying that this school must have had high lead or asbestos, or obviously it's not their PCBs. (laughs) So... They want the school preserved until they can gather critical evidence from this school. The way Monsanto's gathering the evidence? or Correct. Yeah, okay. so that they can basically, in their own words, pin it on someone else. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to like go in there like the police and just plant shit in there. <laughs> right. They're going to be like, pipes. oh, <laughs> yeah, lead pipes. They're going to go in there with their paint buckets, put the lead paint everywhere. <laughs> so... That's why they would like to preserve the school. Um, the school district, the reason they want to get uh, tear down the school is so that they can build a new school on that property, which I guess makes sense. But also in my mind, I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to build a school right on top of the contaminated school. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you'd have to remove a lot of soil and stuff, uh, I would right. think. That is the main update. Uh, the Are they the still majority. Are they still oh, using that building or have no they, okay. so they had vacated the building in 2020 because of the high levels of mm-hmm. pcbs and they moved into a, like a, an old macy's basically in a shopping plaza that they renovated to be a school so okay. that's where they're at right now so they're obviously pretty you know they want to get their students into a school where Right, yeah. Yeah, this just reminds me of that, uh, the Malincrod case in St. Louis. You remember that one we talked about with the, the creek that was heavily poisoned with, like, World War II nuclear right, waste? Yep. 
And the, yeah. The, yeah, there was kids still in that school. They were still using that building. But, um, yeah, this is interesting. I mean, I guess if they're trying to build a new school and they're not allowing them to tear it down, like, you have to buy more land, obviously, right? That, or put it, you know, somewhere else to develop. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, the, I'm not like a city planner or anything, right. so I'm sure it's in a great location or something like that, which is why they probably want the school well, yeah, it's in just a like, similar location. Well, it's just like zoning, right? Like it has to be zoned, I feel, for a right. school. But yeah, uh, interesting move there by Bayer. We'll see. Yeah, I, I thought so too. I feel like... I don't know. In my head, it can only hurt them. (laughs) I just feel like they're just going to be able to get more evidence that there are way too many PCBs leaching into the school. Yeah. I mean, maybe they know something we don't know about, you know, the the era of when it was built or I mean, but but yeah, I guess they've already been kind of had the the blame placed on them. So they're just probably a little bit desperate to find something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're trying to shift the blame onto lead and asbestos, uh, which unfortunately could be an issue as well. Right. It might be there, uh, but not that we all know how bad PCBs are. Not that it absolves. Yeah. The PCBs. Exactly. They all, which is honestly, sadly the case a lot of the time is they just are like well we don't know for sure it was only pcb's fault so we can't give you a part of the blame right and that's that's a pretty typical tactic when it comes to legal issues like this is is there's never a holistic approach it's like no 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 it wasn't us it was the it was these guys exactly even though we were both there (laughs) yeah I feel like at some point it's like, you know, they have to have some sort of responsibility, even if, yes, they do end up finding, yes, lead and asbestos are also prevalent in this school. I think that, but that the, the role of PCBs that are making these teachers to become sick and possibly students that we just don't know yet become sick. I think they need to also pony up for, uh, this issue right yeah well i'm sure we'll have another update on this eventually yep i'm gonna try and uh, keep my nose in the news and i'll have another update hopefully soon for what's going on but that's all i have for that that one this week Next up is a big one that's been in the news these past couple days. Um, well, this article title is uh, that a ban on new gas stoves has been proposed by Federal Safety Commissioner. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission came out with a study. I don't know. If it probably wasn't their study, but uh, that gas stoves present risk to human health and the environment through their emissions. So that gas stoves, you know, it's natural gas, so it emits carbon monoxide, methane, nitrogen oxide, and they linked one out of eight child asthma cases to 
uh, specifically gas stoves. The thing I found interesting about this is that even in this, it's an NBC News article, and it says that a uh, commissioner proposed this ban on new gas stoves. Uh, in reality, there's been no such thing proposed, right? The only thing that's been proposed is regulations on it to protect people. Nothing. I mean, they've said a ban is on the table. Nobody has said, hey, we should ban these, right? They said all tactics for regulation is on the table. Um, so, I mean, this is just an instance of the media. I mean, this is like a clickbait article, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, because they even have, uh, they have a, qu- a quote from the Association of Home Appliance Manufacturers, which is a trade group for like, I don't know, Kohler and <laughs> like, what, where are we as a country to where we're like, we we need to allow these kind of trade groups for the most like niche things, right? But they obviously Whoa. said like a ban would be ill-advised because they profit off of selling gas stoves. Um, 40% of homes in the U.S. have gas stoves and ovens. Uh, however, the, the risk is highest in homes that are poorly ventilated, um, right? Like, I Makes know, sense. There's probably a lot that don't have like ventilation hoods. Um, or, you know, people don't use ventilation hoods or, or whatever it might be. But that's also probably likely in low-income homes, I would assume, if you're talking about poor ventilation, right? Poor home design, really, kitchen design. Uh, so, like, naturally, you would want some sort of regulations to ensure that gas stoves do have that. If it, even if exactly. it is just, you know, a hood that is... Venting to the outside there. You know? Yeah, or like I'm just trying to... Not interlocked really, but but like automatic. Like you can't, you know, it's not dependent on you turning on that fan. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the commission has not proposed a ban um they're not and a ban even or any regulation would only apply to new products anyways so they're not going to come into people's homes and take their gas stoves which is oh my god i don't know if you you've seen anything about this like but joe manchin is on twitter like they're not gonna be taking my gas stove <laughs> and it's like yeah i i unfortunately felt like an old man i saw joe rogan post like <laughs> like a it was like a bunch of police officers and then like across their chest and stuff like police it said gas stove unit and then uh, they had like a gas stove in front of them and uh, i was like what is going on and i had no idea what was happening until i like researched it further yeah but it's like really <laughs> like no one's gonna come take your gas stove yeah. like this is really <laughs> No, but a lot of like it mis- just misinformation about what this is and right. what it means. Yeah, I uh, feel like the whole thing is like the regulations protect the people that can't make that decision themselves. You know, the people that are stuck going like living in a low income apartment that happens to have a gas gas stove. They didn't make the choice to put the gas stove there. They probably have hardly any choices in low income apartments. 
So yeah. we, like, like this would do is just allow for those apartments to be retrofitted so that they're safe for the people that don't have that choice. Don't yeah. have the luxury of, you know, picking what kind of stove they have. Yeah, or people who just aren't aware, right? Like this is my first time hearing about about this asthma being linked to this. Um, my parents have a, a gas stove. They always have. I grew up using a gas stove. It's honestly much better. <laughs> to, I, mm-hmm. It's so much easier to cook on a gas stove. Um, I agree. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like when you learn these things, you have to make changes to how things are handled. Like it's the same thing with, you know, lead in gas or, or lead in any product, right? We learn about how dangerous it is. We regulated mm-hmm. it out. Um, exactly. It's still used. They still use lead for certain applications, but it's regulated now. So that way the people that can't protect themselves or that might be adversely effective, uh, affected, you know, they're protected through these regulations so exactly it's there to protect the public and you know people like joe manchin go on twitter and obviously joe manchin's making money off of natural gas right he's, <laughs> he's just the most fossil fuel uh mf in congress but <laughs> but yeah i mean i just i wanted to point out this kind of misinformation um that I mean, I, the media is involved, obviously. The mainstream media with NBC News putting out an article like this. It's just important to be truthful, you know? Like, you don't right. have to lie about it. Yeah. I feel like, unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at, is that a lot of these news articles decide to lie to get the clicks or to cause uproar. And, you know, they yeah. go with, oh, they're banning new gas stoves. That is the title of this article. Right. Uh, to most people is wow no you're going to take my gas stove away no no that's <laughs> <Yeah>. communism uh, <laughs> it's just that's, like that's, that's, just that's crazy though, because it, like you know in America people actually think that is what communism is is banning right. gas stoves uh, they'll believe anything like that yeah exactly it's just <laughs> uh, yeah it's just kind of sad to see uh that they're trying to i guess in my opinion protect the people that can't protect themselves definitely and people are basically revolting against that Moving on to our third article and uh, fact sheet, basically. The Biden administration has announced uh, a roadmap to decarbonize the United States transportation sector uh, by 2050. So pretty close. They're going to be doing this very soon. (laughs) Uh, uh, Without even getting into it, I heard 2050. and I thought that that was a fake date. (laughs) But... (laughs) But what's going on basically is that they're trying to reduce and make, you know, the the top the hot topic word right now is carbon neutral. They're trying to make our transportation sector more carbon neutral, you know, end greenhouse emissions uh, by, you know, they go, they'd like to increase the use of EVs, uh, the electronic vehicles, 
more zero emission vehicles, a whole slew of stuff that I think is in the long run, long run, a good plan, but also a little bit too little too late. Um, so in one of their roadmaps that they put out before 2030, they want to basically turn the tide on transportation greenhouse gas emissions by researching and investing uh, these new technologies like electronic vehicles. So in the next seven years, they're just trying to research and invest in this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's not like, this is what it's kind of all been about with transportation is EVs. Um, And yeah, just like researching and and making them more uh, affordable, I guess. Um, But yeah, I mean, like you said, it's a little late for that and you know i think you know you know you know what my opinion is of evs as like a total solution anyways um to transportation you know right emissions but it is really like it's all about like they're, like they're talking about tax credits and all this they just want everybody to have an ev it is what it is it's you got to mine this lithium somewhere um Right, and a lot of that lithium is being mined in modern day what looks like slave labor. If you've ever seen any of the pictures or videos, it's just terrible conditions that they're working in. Definitely. So that we can rip around the streets of the United States in these Teslas. Right. I mean, in my mind, ideally would be high-speed rail, I think. <laughs> like I, t- I talk about it all the time, but not even that, but like buses diesel buses are better than like you know gas cars or or probably even ev cars if you can fill up a bus anyways right right well that's i feel like kind of like what what we talk about with the it was france that uh banned certain commercial flights that are short distance that could be replaced with a train yep uh i feel like that what we're we don't have is that we don't have a train we don't have bus routes we don't have these replacements and i really don't feel like everyone running around in an electronic vehicle is the answer i think like you said high-speed rail something that we can centralize a lot of travel and transportation through that can be better regulated better commercialized and honestly better for the environment in the oh, long yeah. run more efficient it saves you know habitat you don't have to build interstates and and you know but yeah i think th- this all comes from the u.s's history of basically catering to motor vehicle manufacturers to the fossil fuel industry to not have really any other options other than buy a car or you know it's impossible to even really survive as an adult unless you you live and work like in a city center or something right you know if you can't drive to work there's no way to survive right like you can't make money unless you get to work obviously and uh in most of america you have to drive to do that 
Yeah, exactly. I think, I feel like, I don't know the actual number, but I feel like most people have at least a 10 to 20 minute commute, which if you were to walk would be a few hours probably. Right. So it's, it's just like, we need to, I feel like, yes, it's great that we're investing in electronic vehicles and, you know, getting people to switch over to EVs and stuff like that. That's great. But we also need to be boosting just like our public transportation sector in general. Uh, with the high-speed rail, with more bus routes, with just more options that can allow people to make that choice, uh, or you Makes know, if someone doesn't too. have a vehicle, yeah, right. I mean, it's it's easier for me. Like if I was going home for the holidays, like I just did, right? It's a thirteen-hour yep. drive for me to get home. I would much rather just get on a train and for you know, 13 hours. And not, yeah, not, yeah. And then, you know, you would hopefully a high speed train would not take that long, but, but yeah, like I'd rather be on a train for 13 hours than driving my car, paying attention to the road, you know, like my, I have to basically expend mental energy just to drive safely as everybody should. <laughs> it's not something I, like doing i guess exactly and yeah it's just like one of those things you're a, a one person sitting in your car you know or i don't know uh but you know what i'm saying like it's yeah. you're just one person there's probably multiple people taking that similar route that you know if we just had a train they could hop on hop off um it just it would alleviate so much of our highway pressures and everything like that. I just did a quick Google search as well, Zach. High-speed trains can generally reach from 190 to 220 miles per hour. Yeah, so I, so I it's like, it would like cut, cut my time in half. Yeah, at least in half. Yeah. So that'd call six and a half hours for your trip. <laughs> that would be sweet. Right. And you're not putting all those miles on your own vehicle. You're not, you know, your vehicle, I'm sure, holds five people normally. It's not, you know, you're mm. maximizing the amount of people by getting on a train that are taking that same route. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like, I don't know, it's a step in, a right, in the right direction, but I just don't feel like it is ex what what our country really needs. I agree with you there. Last article of the day, we're talking honeybees, baby. Honeybees. Sweet little honeybees. This is an article from The Guardian covering a study of global pollinator losses causing 500,000 early deaths per year. Uh, this is due to the loss of healthy foods that are dependent on insect pollinators. Three to five percent of, or excuse me, uh, production of fruits, vegetables, and nuts are three to five percent lower due to the recent loss of pollinators around the world, um, which I believe we've talked about it before, but um, or it can be attributed to 1% of all deaths. And these are deaths um, 
from conditions like heart disease, stroke, diabetes, certain types of cancers, any con- any condition that can be prevented by a healthy diet. Um, which, like you, I'm sure you know, Nick. Uh, there's areas of the world and even of the United States where it's pretty difficult to have a healthy diet. Um, Absolutely. I mean, if you're in a country or a state specifically that doesn't have a whole lot of agriculture, you kind of really rely on what is at your supermarket, which we all know is never, you know, the freshest or the most uh, natural food that you can get or, you know, no preservatives, which to me is a huge thing uh, type of food that you can get. So it really limits the, the options that you have. Yeah. And, and a, a good point that was brought up in this article is that this biodiversity crisis that we're in, what's really been missing from kind of the discourse on it is that link to human health um, impacts. Mm-hmm. So we have all this going on, right? Like, like this destruction of habitat, especially for pollinators in this story. Um, it's never been really talked about in terms of what this means for human health. Um, but, you know, this study hopefully helps people see it. Uh, however, you know, the current state of industrialized agriculture I think it would take a lot to change that without some pretty, uh, I guess, revolutionary steps, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm not even going to lie. When you first said this article to me, my brain instantly thought it was the bees dying because that's what everyone talks about is save the bees. But no, these are people. These are people dying because that we cannot produce the fruit and vegetables that you know people need to eat and you know that they can give them that option to make that healthy choice right and it seems like uh an effort that you know i mean that's like a goal for a lot of people right is to be healthy you want access to those foods i mean this crisis of losing pollinators is just beginning it's going to get worse and and as pollinator populations fall and human populations rise um we are like in the beginning stages of something that could become very bad for a lot of people in a lot of different countries around the world yeah absolutely uh i feel like insects get a bad rap a lot of the time because everyone instantly thinks of mosquitoes ticks and all those gross ones that bother us but a lot of insects actually help fill a lot of ecosystem gaps Uh, so they're super important for a lot of our food production so yeah i I i'll be the first to say i don't like bugs really i don't (laughs) i don't i don't like being near bugs they gross me out uh but i understand their importance right they're important exactly. so that they literally like we wouldn't have anything without insects it'd be a fucking wasteland um it really would i mean they're the whole reason that most plants 
are able to reproduce and produce fruit or vegetables or anything like that. They're what's doing, I mean, they have the name pollinators for a reason. They're pollinating all of these plants. So. Right, and those are those are the foods that, you know, especially need insects to pollinate. There's some foods that, you know, pollinate by wind or, or whatever, like wheat and, and corn. Right. But those are low in nutrients. So, you know, America, the the Ukraine, I guess, <laughs> are like giant producers of those crops. But they're low nutrients or high carbs. You can get energy from them or whatever, but you don't get those essential nutrients that you need to actually be healthy instead of just right. getting calories. Yeah, exactly. Calories aren't everything. You need your vitamins, your minerals. Yeah, and just, you know, a couple of other things from this article, some solutions that were noted, uh, increasing flower abundance on farms where food is grown. So obviously, you know, food for pollinators, nectar from flowers, um, preserving and restoring natural habitat is kind of a, a catch-all for biodiversity action and uh of course something we talk about all the time cutting pesticides pesticides are actually killing pollinators it's not like they're they're starving it's like no they're dying from neonicotinoids uh that are being sprayed directly on these crops that you know really insects go directly to to pollinate and they're being exposed directly um but it also brings me to the point of climate smart agriculture and Bill Gates and Syngenta, Monsanto, whoever, this no-till GMO uh, climate change solution I put in, in quotes uh, that claims that you know only GMOs can meet global food demand. Uh, I know, especially Bill Gates says, you know, organic farming cannot feed the world. And, you know, his expertise of, his, of you know, being a software engineer. Um, Bill Gates, the farmer. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, okay, then why are people dying because of GMO practices, right? Right. Like, like this is a direct, these pollinator deaths are directly from these GMO practices of you know spraying these GMO things. practices, these pesticides that are just killing the, the bugs that are right, actually so, helping. So so yeah, in, in effect killing people. So what good is it to claim that you can feed more people with this if people are dying because they can't get food that's actually good for them yeah this is a really interesting article i'm glad you brought this up tonight uh i think it's really smart that we're researching into how you know not having these foods actually affects our population so yeah i feel i just feel like it's it's pretty bleak <laughs> i mean a lot of the stuff we talk about is bleak but um i mean if you if we can already attribute half a million deaths to something that is kind of the study of it is just kind of emerging right uh, i was gonna say that number seems low 
Yeah. <laughs> it's going to accelerate. I can already yeah. see it. That does it for this episode of Poison for Profit. As always, the Twitter and email are linked in the show notes along with all the articles we covered today. Well, anything else, Nick? Uh, just look forward to next week. And then is it two weeks from now we're going to have our first series episode? Yep. Nick is going to tell us about BP. Yep, we're going to be doing a deep dive into BP, so look forward to that episode. That'll be the 26th. The 26th of January. Tune in. It'll be great. Hope so. (laughs) (laughs) But as always, you know, send us articles. We can cover them. Anything you'd like us to cover. Uh, Any comments, questions, concerns. Leave a review for us wherever you listen, and we will... See you next week. Yeah, talk to you next week. And I just want to, you know, make it clear to everybody, you know, when we say don't tread on Florida or let us alone, uh, we mean that, including on your gas stoves. You're not taking our gas stoves away from us. That is your choice. Your choice. Your choice. Your choice.